Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Alex Lukowicz of Black Wolf. Listen as Alex shares his inspiration towards creating a skincare brand focused primarily on men. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Alex Lukowicz of Black Wolf. Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, it's great to be talking to you. So I want to start out with your childhood. Where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Uh, so I am actually from Canada. Um, okay. I uh, grew up, my dad's actually an entrepreneur. He's been starting businesses since I was really little. So I've always watched um, the process, the ups, the downs. And um, I actually, I co-founded Black Wolf with my, with my brother. And really since we were, you know, six years old, we've been doing businesses together. Um, and so that was kind of my life, you know, the, 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 you know, trials and tribulations of entrepreneurship. I, um, you know, me and my brother are pretty different. He's kind of your typical entrepreneur who, you know, didn't love school, always contrary, like, you know, contrary to the status quo. And I was kind of like the engineering type did really well in school, kind of hated it for that reason. Cause it didn't push me that much, yeah. but, um, <laughs> Pretty much, pretty much everything about uh, our childhood uh, was was kind of like the life of an entrepreneur. Gotcha. So, did you have any inspiration towards your dad's companies growing up? Did you ever help him out, or did you and your brother before Black Wolf start any other companies? So we always did our own thing. I've actually, okay. it's funny enough, I've never actually had it had another job. I've always started uh, my own thing, mostly with my brother. Um, and I don't know how many of your listeners are familiar, but my first business ever was selling stuffed animals. And oh, wow. uh, there was this brand really popular called Webkins, which was, oh, yeah. you know, a, yeah, a plush yeah, toy I was, company. I was a fan. <laughs> yeah, so was I. And, um, and, uh, and, you know, they come with the online code. You have the, the video game component. And I was super, super into them. This was probably maybe when I was in grade four. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, and they started to retire um, their different um, stuffed animals. So they would just stop selling them. And I didn't realize this until I was on eBay one day at the school computer. And I was looking at Legos, actually, funny enough, because I was super into Lego. (laughs) And um, I saw a sidebar ad for a Webkins. It was this cat. I thought it was hideous, called the Cheeky Cat. (laughs) <laughs> and it was selling for over $300. And I was like, that's insane. Webkins are $15 at the store. Why would someone pay, you know, $300? Yeah. And so I clicked on that ad and it actually brought up a whole page of these things going, you know, 275, 320. Wow. Uh, even as high as 500. And I was like, this is crazy. And so just instinctually, I told my mom, like, mom, we got to go to the store. We got to buy one of these cheeky cats. We can sell it for like $300. It costs 15 bucks. So we went to the store and the, uh, the salesperson said that they had discontinued that, um, that model. And so uh, I thought about where I could get uh, one of these cats. And uh, being from Canada, half the year, the Six Flags theme park is closed. Mm-hmm. And so I had the idea, I'm like, okay, they stopped selling this product over winter. What if one of the gift shops at the theme park still had some inventory left over um, that they hadn't sold by the end of the season. And so the day that the theme park opened, 
uh, my, my mom, super, uh, super wingman, uh, <laughs> took me out of school. We paid 60 bucks each to get into the park. Um, and we start going around to the gift shops and they had them and we wow. went to every single one and all the store clerks were laughing at us, making fun of us, <laughs> but we bought four, we bought 40 of them in the park. Wow. And I put them all on eBay and I sold each of them for 300 bucks. And that was my first kind of taste of, of sales and business and, wow. and, you know, success. And so that was, that was like very, very exciting for me. That's huge. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've kind of been hooked ever since. So how much were they going for when you bought them? So, uh, they, they were selling them at the theme park for the, like the standard price, just $15 or like fourteen okay. ninety five. That's a huge turnover. So this is right around the time of the extinction of that stuffed animal. Yeah. So literally they discontinued it in midwinter when the park was closed, it opened and, uh, and I swooped in and bought all of them. Wow. That's huge. All right. So moving on from there, what was school like for you? Did you go on to go to college? So, uh, I actually didn't. So, uh, in high school I was, I was on the honor roll. I was like one of those never go to school, never study 90 <laughs> students. Um, but, um, it was actually, it was interesting because I'm, I'm actually dyslexic. So I can't, like, can barely read or write Did horrible <laughs> in, in English, but I was really good at math and science. So I really focused on that. Um, and then right around the end of high school, I was putting together the pitch deck for Black Wolf. And, uh, and we pitched uh, right before the end of school, high school. And um, so my college app was already in. I got it to um, some, of the, some of the good schools in, uh, in Canada. And um, we raised the seed round and I just never went. And I got to tell you, uh, looking back and you know, seeing my friends who've gone to business school and stuff, I, I, I think I made the right decision. I'm very happy. Yeah, for sure. When was this? the development of Black Wolf and the decision not to go to college? So it's actually interesting. So this was uh, pretty much around 2016 Okay, is when we did the initial seed round. But um, the first kind of two years of Black Wolf was, you know, kind of my education, I call it. And we wanted to do, you know, quote unquote, what they were doing. So we really spent a lot of time, um, you know, kind of, trying to figure out the, the secret code to how to launch and scale an e-commerce business. Um, and then, um, so yeah, that was, instead of going to college, I pretty much did that for like a year and a half. Um, in that time as well, we started building the Black Wolf brand, the logo, the branding, the concept, the products, all gearing up to our launch in September, 2018. Okay. And then what got you inspired with skincare specifically? So it's actually funny. I am the complete like finance operations type <laughs> and my brother's uh, the opposite. He's like the interpersonal sales guy type. Yeah. So neither and neither of us are into skincare really at all or we're into skincare at all. We're like oh, wow. your average guy. I don't spend a ton of money on clothes or skincare or shoes. Um, but one thing that we did both have was really, really bad razor bumps, like horrible, horrid. Every time I shaved my neck, I got ingrown hairs, razor bumps. It was awful. And I started growing a beard when I was like 11. So it was like, <laughs> it was a big issue. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, we found this product that was sold locally 
Um, it was in a blue bottle. It was for men and women, horrible branding, like, like literally atrocious branding. And, um, it smelled awful. It smelled like rubbing alcohol, but worse somehow. Oh man. But it really, really, really worked. And it was the first thing. And it was like, wow, like you literally put it on after you shave, you didn't get razor bumps and it was game changing. And obviously being, um, you know, having that entrepreneurial mindset, we went, we found the founder. And we said, like, we love your product. You're only selling it locally out of your trunk to salons in Montreal. What if we take your formula or license your formula, put an awesome brand around it, sell it just for guys as a razor bump remedy and take it to the U.S. online? That was just our first instinct because we had seen all these other companies doing it. And uh, we put together a whole concept. He had no interest at all. (laughs) No. Like zero. And he, so we said, okay, you know what? We're going to do it ourselves. And, you know, naive at the time, we thought that wouldn't be that hard, but it turns out, you know, it's been a lot of work, but we, we formulated our own product. It actually, the first product that we formulated, we actually never sold. It was a kind of a replica of his razor bump uh, liquid. And then, and then we iterated from there. We turned it into our product now, which is called bump cream, which is, um, we think a way better version of what, um, what that guy was selling and then, uh, kind of sparked into this whole other line. Um, but the, you know, the original inspiration kind of stood is instead of making skincare products, you know, for guys who want to be extra pampered and, you know, the guys who really, really put a lot of effort. Like if, if you're, if you're that kind of guy, mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it, but there's a ton of products out there for you, you know, that are yeah. complicated and more expensive. But if you're just your, if you're just just like me, just like my brother, just like most of our friends, and you just like want to look your best, uh, but don't want to spend too much, don't want to put a lot of effort into it, we made the most solution-focused products that we could possibly make. So if you have oily skin, if you have breakouts, if you have tired eyes, we make a product specifically for your need, and that's the whole. Um, that was the whole inspiration for skincare. So yeah, again, none of us, neither of us were really into skincare. <laughs> we kind of fell into it and, um, and took our, you know, as I said, his sales and my, um, operational minds and just kind of ran with it. That's so interesting. So what did your product, your first product look like then? If you kind of mocked up his formula, was it just you and your brother actually creating the product or did you guys have someone else, someone else outsource? Okay. So, um, I'm sure most of your viewers don't know how a skincare product is formulated, but it's super interesting. Okay. Um, we did not take the route of mixing it in our kitchens. We skipped that <laughs> step. We had no interest in doing that. Yeah. Um, we spent a long time trying to find the absolute best contract manufacturer. And a contract manufacturer is uh, basically a factory that is set up to make uh, skincare products. So just like food uh, is made at a co-packer, Skincare is made at a contract manufacturer and you develop something called a white paper, which is essentially a recipe. Um, and then they make your product for you and bottle it. Um, most contract manufacturers have formulation teams. We worked with our contract manufacturers formulation team, as well as we hired um, a formulation. And we basically it's not actually that hard to make a good product, but 
what's difficult is having the right attitude towards product development. So you can go yeah. to a formulator or a contract manufacturer and say, hey, I have a target cost of $1.50. I want to make a body wash. Um, I want to have, you know, three trendy ingredients, but I don't want to spend a lot. And they'll say, okay, no problem. We'll take water. We'll put some uh, uh, chemical foaming agents, a cheap fragrance, and we'll put in tiny drops of the three most trendy ingredients you want, and we'll call it a day. Yeah. And we're, we're not about that. We said, we went to them and we said, okay, listen, we want to make this product for razor bumps. We want to make it the absolute best product possible. And that means best ingredients, highest concentration of actives, um, quick absorb. And we were just relentless with quality and at whatever price they gave us, we just beat them down to get the price to where we wanted it to be. So that's, that's kind of the philosophy we took. Gotcha. Um, and, uh, and yeah, people really like our products. So the packaging you guys have now, it's super slick and simple. And I was wondering when you guys first launched the product, was it also the same back then? And what inspired you to just keep it very simple? So simple was kind of like from the beginning. Okay. Uh, we're selling we're selling to guys. And we yeah. call this, we, we call it, um, what, what happened in men's skincare is you had women's skincare for, for forever, really. Mm-hmm. And, you know, women know what products to use. I mean, most women, um, there's so much out there. There's so much education. Uh, you know, y- younger generations now have their favorite YouTuber. Older generations learn from an older cousin or magazines. There's mm-hmm. just so much out there. But for guys, who are you going to go to? You're going to go to your uncle and say, hey, what, what skincare products do you use? Like, it, 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 your friends don't really talk about it. So it's kind of a black hole. And what we found a lot of companies did is something that we, you know, nicknamed the blue label approach, where you take a woman's product, slap a blue label around it, say for men, but you don't really fundamentally change what the product is. Yeah. So, you know, toners, facial cleansers, um, all those fancy things that women were using, they kind of labeled for guys. We were like dead set that guys need something simple if they're going to use it. So for sure, even though our face wash is the quality of a fancy facial cleanser infused with cucumber extract and jojoba beads. We were just like, no way. This is, we're going to make a package and we wanted to, we we're just going to say face wash because yeah. we kind of feel, I always say like, if your product really is the best, you don't have to show off. And some of these, some of these, uh, packages, they're just like hitting points on the front of it, like oatmeal infused. That's, yeah, that's true. Um, it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, as I said, anyone can make a good product, but our main focus is user experience. That's what differenti- that's what differentiates Black Wolf. It's our attitude, our philosophy, our understanding of guys. We want it to be as simple as possible because at the end of the day, the more guys that adopt skincare, the better. And the only way for guys to adopt skincare if it, if it, is if it's approachable and simple and um, and that's really the goal. And we're nowhere near where we want to be. Our whole focus over the next year is just to continue to improve on that user experience, whether it's uh, pre-purchase on our website or post-purchase with um, the ability to communicate with us for advice. And also, you know, when your product comes and, and uh, instructions on how to use it and etc. you know, everything, the whole experience really. For sure. Okay. To get into the specs of kind of your skincare, what are the advantage or what are the advantages of charcoal skincare compared to aloe or other options? I'm, I'm curious okay. as well myself and I'm sure my listeners are too. Yeah, absolutely. So what's really cool about charcoal 
uh, and particular activated charcoal is the process of, of quote unquote activating the charcoal is it's heated up to a very specific temperature that causes thousands of tiny holes to form on the exterior of the charcoal. And what that does is it increases the surface area to a thousand times what it would be without those holes. Uh, if you think, if you, you know, consider um, a flat surface versus tons of holes, each hole adds a tremendous amount of surface area. Yeah. And, um, and that's what really binds to um, a lot of the oils and toxins in your skin. And what we did for, um, you know, our, our flagship product, the activated charcoal face wash, is we combined activated charcoal and not as a marketing amount with black dye. It's, mm -hmm. it's jet black because we use a ton of charcoal and paired with salicylic acid and paired with um, the natural preservative on our product, which has antibacterial properties because bacteria causes a tremendous amount of breakouts. And that kind of trifecta is what makes that face wash super effective. All right, so with such a highly competitive field, what makes your products stand out from your competitors? So um, it's interesting because we decided from day one um, that the lowest barrier to entry to market in this space would be to go directly to our customers. And what I mean by that is skincare is one of the most insider industries uh, that I could possibly think, you know, think of. And also being in it, we've seen it even more. Yeah. What your listeners might not know is every time you see a men's health article, a GQ article, um, whether it's a holiday gift guide or a best of, that's all paid. So GQ, you can pay them $2,000 to put our face wash on a list of, uh, you know, top five face washes to buy. And they put it on their site or their magazine, put a link, and every time someone clicks on that link, they get a commission. It's completely uh, paid industry. And we, just by the nature of, of our personalities and what we were trying to do, just hated that. I yeah. think it's ridiculous. And, um, and you, know, that's not the, you know, that's not the type of uh, customer, I guess, per se, that we're going after. So we decided to start marketing on Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, we struggled a bit at the beginning because, you know, we would put up some, you know, we put up pictures of our product and we put up, you know, little video gifs that we did and like nothing would hit. Mm -hmm. And then the breakout moment for us, and this is, this is, we were, we had, we were spending a lot. We were doing um, a lot for us at that time. And we were doing like no sales. Then maybe the next day would be two sales. The next day, one sale, like kind of like that, mostly yeah. friends and family. Um, but we were really looking for like that breakout moment. And so what we decided to do is sit down and we we're like, okay, what's different? What do you never see? And we were having, you know, one of those entrepreneur like low days where we're like sales are shit. And, <laughs> you know, we have no idea what we're going to do about it. And we've invested all this money in the brand and the product run. And we're like, you know, devastated. Like this is, I'm sure anyone in, who started a business has been through this. Yeah. And the breakout moment for us is <laughs> I left the sofa where I was sitting, looking at our Facebook ad account. I went into the bathroom. I got into the shower, turned the shower on, brought my iPhone into the shower, 
and started filming clips where I was holding the, the phone in one hand and playing with our face wash with the other hand. Oh, wow. And I did like 15 clips and I went back to the sofa, didn't edit the clip at all and threw one of the clips. It was a six second clip up on Facebook and the clip absolutely took off. It, wow. We scaled, I scaled our Facebook ad account from zero sales a day to about 50 sales a day within a 30 day period. That's crazy. And we just so we like started blowing out of inventory. And I mean, we hadn't done a big run or a run was only 2000 um, products, but, um, and then we're like, okay, like, why did this work? And we kind of got the, this, you know, the, this concept of like, okay, maybe guys want to see something authentic, something low produced, something, uh, that they could kind of see themselves using. And also when you're scrolling through your Facebook feed and you see a dude arm in the shower, it's kind of catches your eye. For sure. Which is kind of half, it's kind of half the battle with us. And for about a year, we did various like in shower clips. And then, you know, we got more sophisticated. I bought a tripod. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so I could use both hands and, and, and just different things like that. And, uh, and that allowed us to scale basically over a year from doing zero sales to doing about, uh, two to 300 orders a day. Wow. And of course that that's an oversimplification, but it was mostly driven by Facebook ads and by in shower content. That's amazing. So, so before like you made your ads more personable where you would actually have yourself using your products. What were your ads looking like before that made it jump up like this? Uh, so before we had done um, kind of like we had experimented with image ads with like stock photos of a guy with our product, you know, photoshopped into it. Okay. We had tried some, um, you know, some GIFs with like our product spinning around and stuff like that. But, you know, nothing because at that time, like Facebook, uh, you know, GIF type videos. Um Worse, we're, we're pretty popular and effective, but it did never work for us. Gotcha. Um, but at, yeah, after after that shower content really popped off, we started to add things. And that's kind of, I wish that I had known that at the beginning, when you don't need to have everything day one, you can iterate. So, you know, we started to get sales and then we're like, okay, we're sending all these people to our site who aren't buying, how do we capture them? So we added a, a pop-up giving an intro offer. And then we added a whole email flow and um, and different things like that. And like, we slowly just, you know, kept growing and grinding, uh, to scale our sales. Gotcha. So what would you say, because you guys are strictly pretty much evolving around e-commerce and I was wondering, what would you say are the advantages of, for your product selling through e-commerce rather than a brick and mortar? Okay. So, uh, like I said about the press, it's kind of the same thing for retail. Okay. Super insidery. Um, and it's tough to um, get into retailers. The barrier to entry is pretty high, yeah. especially for a new, a new brand with products that people are going to put on their face. Um, so, you know, with our skill sets, with our, um, you know, lack of any insider contacts, being so young, we were just like, no one's going to take us seriously. Let's just prove ourselves online. Let's build our brand. We'll optimize what we're doing. And then when we're big, we'll get into retail. Yeah. That's kind of the thought behind that. Gotcha. 
And then what would you say now, what, what is the main demographic for Black Wolf? Of course, it's men, but have you noticed any trends around the age? Um, Facebook's so targeted, so it's really like what we want. Uh, yeah. It starts at about 24 and um, goes into the early 40s. That's our core demographic. Okay, so it's around um, like the acne years, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and it's funny... You know, as I said, we're we're trying to be solution focused. Yeah. But at the beginning, we just launched with three products. We had the razor bump cream, the charcoal face wash, and the oil free moisturizer. And at that time, we had no understanding of all the e-commerce jargon. I mean, we knew CPA, but we've ne- we'd never heard of AOV, mm-hmm. um, and how to optimize for that. So, our AOV when we launched the site just naturally was nineteen dollars. And as anyone who markets on Facebook knows, you cannot make money with a $19 AOV online. No, no. Um, <laughs> so we thought, okay, how do we increase this? So we saw a few people buying our face wash and our oil-free moisturizer together. And it was mostly in more southern states, hotter, um, where we thought, okay, maybe oily skin might be the reason they're buying that because those two products are good for oily skin. Uh, but we had never, we didn't market it like that. And then I got the idea, why don't we make a bundle called the oily skin bundle with the face wash moisturizer? We launch it, instantly becomes our best seller, ticks wow. up our AOV to 25. <laughs> and we are like, okay, there's a lot we can do here. So then we started messing around with shipping policies and shipping thresholds and bigger bundles. We made something called the complete skincare bundle, which had all three products. And we were like, okay, this is awesome. We started doing multi-packs, like uh, buy four face washes and you save 20%, like that kind of thing. Um, and we got our AOV up to 30. And we're pretty wow. happy with that. Yeah. Um, but it was still t- it's still tough. 30 is also low. Um, but then we, um, we started to develop other products. And we actually went crazy aggressive. Within five months, uh, we had done we, – we were formulating products pretty much since we launched the original three. But we accelerated all, we accelerated basically seven new products into market um, to get that AOV up because we were just hemorrhaging money. Um, and it was, it was like brutal for us because we, we, were, we were, you know, totally bootstrapped. Yeah. Um, and so we launched, you know, face scrub, face mask, eye gel, body wash, a whole dry skin line, different sizes of face wash all at once. And pretty much right away, our AOV jumped to 40 uh 41 42 and they were like okay this is more like it yeah um and at that point we were getting pretty close to profitable to profitable and then we went back to our manufacturer we're like okay you guys got to lower this price we looked at our packaging streamlined that really i was like maniacal about the cost i negotiated our shipping rates and um and we got our margin up and then finally we were in a place where um we were profitable um, which was, which is a game changer for us. Totally. So looking at black wolf today, is it still just you and your brother or have you guys developed some other workers to join you guys? And what roles are you playing currently? Uh, okay. So that's actually the biggest struggle that we're, that we've had now. And I'll, and I will say because we took the e-commerce route and the just strictly digital, that eliminates a lot of things. We didn't do influencer marketing. We didn't do press. We didn't do um, a ton of uh, social media and all those things. So 
we were really just in our wheelhouses, which is like analytics, you know, we, the, the brand identity and, uh, and uh, marketing uh, <laughs> digitally. Um, and so it's literally just me and my brother who run the company and, um, and we're, we're at a $10 million run rate right now. Wow. And it's just the two of us. That's amazing. Um, but the issue, the issue is now though, um, and, and what happens in the business is take little things like answering customer emails, you know, at the beginning you get like five or six a day. Um, mm -hmm. you know, doing your Facebook ad creative, like me filming it ourselves, optimizing your Facebook ads. Um, working on new partnerships, you know, working on an Amazon launch, which we're doing next month, it starts to become a bandwidth issue because a customer, you know, just customer service, which when you're small, is like five, six emails a day. Maybe if you're lucky, we're now getting hundreds of emails a day. Yeah. And not all complaints, but you know, customers wanting to help with tracking their order, customers wanting uh, advice on the product. Like it's just, it's a tremendous amount. And then each of these little tasks becomes a full-time job. For sure. And so we have a huge bandwidth issue and I think we slept on hiring a little bit, but right now um, we have an aggressive hiring plan. Um, we actually just closed a funding round, which was led by the family who founded the hair care brand uh, Moroccan oil, which is the largest privately owned uh, hair care company. Oh, wow. Um, and so we're going to, we're using that money. We're aggressively hiring. We have, um, you know, uh, channel expansion strategies in mind, uh, looking at, you know, big box retailers and Amazon. Uh, but, but yeah, it's all really to do, uh, with bandwidth because things that we haven't done, as I said, like social media influencers, um, and that kind of thing does affect CPA in a big way mm -hmm. because pretty much a hundred percent of our traffic is driven through our paid ads. So we get almost no organic. Um, except for customer referrals. Um, so we're hoping um, that, you know, building on building out a team will start to increase the percentage of organic traffic and drive down CPAs, which are increasing all the time with Facebook. Yeah, for sure. I just want to gather a piece of advice that you may have for an entrepreneur out there who is listening. If you could share one piece of advice to an aspiring entrepreneur, what would that be? Maybe something you've learned or something you regret? Just anything. Um, the biggest, uh, I'm going to give two things. Okay. Number one is incremental goals, mm -hmm. trying to be day one movement that just exited for a hundred million. Or, you know, if you're in skincare, Kylie cosmetics or dollar shave club or manscape, like these don't be naive to the, to what these brands did and how much money they raised and how many people are working, uh, for the company at the time that you're looking at their website or their ads. You know, they have 50 people for sure. Yeah. Or more working at them. And you're just like one of one or two founders. Don't try and be like them day one. Cause you'll fall on your face. Cause you don't understand, um, you know, what their larger strategy is or how, um, how many existing customers, uh, they have. And that, you know, you don't know if the ad you're seeing is just a retargeting ad. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're just completely naive to how, to how much goes into these big brands. So start, Start with a small goal. Say, hey, I am going to get one sale a day through Facebook. That's my goal. Or I'm going to get into one store a week to carry my product. And and if you think like that, then you'll start to say, okay, I want 10 a day. I want 50 a day. I want 100 a day. 
And, um, and I think that's, that's the, that's the way to do it because if you don't think like that, you, you go too ambitious and it just kind of falls flat. You're wondering, Hey, I just spent this much money building a brand or I just, uh, you know, hi, I tried to hire, I, I racked up a bunch of money I had and hired like the best employee who used to work at this company. And it's just mm-hmm. not always that easy. Yeah. Um, so I'd say incremental goals. Um, and also it allows you to feel success along the way, which is nice. For sure. And then, and, and then the second thing that I would say, uh, which is kind of along the same lines is mindset. So what I mean by that is at various parts of our business, we've had different mindsets on the entrepreneurial journey is very emotional mm-hmm. and it's tough. And when I say mindset, it's not just having a good attitude. It's thinking, okay, what do I want my business to be now versus a month from now? When we made the goal um, of getting to 50 sales a day, that was all we ever said to every agency we interviewed, what we said to uh, between us every single day, 50 sales, 50 sales. We got to 50 sales. And then after 50 sales, we kind of were stuck at 50 sales uh, because we hadn't planned further, which is okay. And then the next goal was 200 sales and 200 sales to everyone in between ourselves. That's all we said day and night. And then we got to 200 sales. Like it's kind of, and we did the same thing for a thousand. Like it's, you have to, I think it's all about mindset, you know, set a reasonable goal and just be like unrelenting about that one thing. Don't try and say, I want to be the leader in social and in product and in acquisition. And I want to have a zillion, customers like just focus on one macro goal and just be like maniacal about it totally well alex thank you so much for joining me today and to the listeners out there make sure to check out black wolf at blackwolfnation.com yeah cameron really appreciate you having me and uh anyone who goes to our site you can use my personal code alex25 and uh get get a better discount hey thank you for listening to this episode of starting small if you would Leave a review on whatever platform you are listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.